When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Oh, again, he gets the edge. And he's bringing the court. Michael Waja in the gully. Drops it at his toes and comes through for a single. For the first time in the Australian summer, an Australian batsman gets the chance down the pitch, he drives, this could be it, he beats it off, the arm is in the air already, there's nothing quite like your first test century, the Renegades have proved that nothing is impossible, bold and he didn't play a shot, look at the Australians, proud on their feet, this is test cricket. Covering cricket across Australia and right around the globe, this is Stumps with Bryce McGain and Jordan Cornelis. We are into it now. This is Stumps here. Jordan Canellis, Bryce McGain with you. The International Men's Summer underway. Not quite to the most entertaining start, though, but it's here anyway. We've had some good performances from an Australian perspective. Three 2020s down, three more to go before we get into the tests in just under a month. And Australia have got off to the perfect start. Three from three against Sri Lanka. Bryce McGain with me. Jordan Canellis here this weekend on Stumps. It's good to see you again, Bryce. Yeah, good evening, Jordan. And uh, look, it it hasn't been a blockbuster start to the the cricket summer, but uh, nonetheless, it's good to see one Dave Warner back in some touch and good to see Australia just winning some games. Absolutely. Big show coming up today. Sean Tate will be on the program. We're going to do a little betting update with uh, our company Stumps Bet with uh, Slits, who is our man at Stumps Bet. And then we'll also give you a bit of a wrap-up of what's been happening domestically with the Shield on today as well, day three for most, and then the start of another Shield game today as well, and also the WBBL update. But we'll start off, though, with the international men's cricket, the uh, three 2020s against Sri Lanka. Um, there was a bit of hope that this would have been a competitive series given Sri Lanka's form, and and they had beaten Pakistan leading into this, and Pakistan are a good T20 side, but... Just didn't quite go uh, to plan for Sri Lanka. And in the end, Australia did did a number on them in, in pretty much every uh, match. Yeah, look, uh, Sri Lanka were really outgunned. Uh, we, were, we were looking positively at it last week uh, when we, we discussed it on Stumps that, uh, you know, Sri Lanka may not be uh, such easy beats. But, uh, look, they, they just got outgunned and uh, they walked into a, a, a really hot Dave Warner. His T20 form, he's the best T20 batsman in the world, mm-hmm. and he's just proven it once again, batting at the top of the order. His consistency across all forms. In the last five years in the IPL, over 500 runs every year. Uh, in the wow. World Cup, he was ne- nearly the leading run scorer in the World Cup. We, we do look at the Ashes series and go, gee, he's out of touch. Is he going to remain in the Australian team? That's a different game. That's red ball game. But in the white ball game, he is untouchable at the moment. And he's just showing it again against Sri Lanka. Outstanding. But did score his first ever 100 uh, in T20 cricket, which was uh, a milestone for him. He brought that up in game 
number two, wasn't it? Game, game, game one. one. Game one. Yeah. I'm losing track of everything there. <laughs> so, look, what I've really liked about the Australians, though, um, the, the great thing now is that they're actually selecting a T20 team. In the past, I yeah. think we've looked at it, it is – We've just sort of thrown a, a mixed match of teams together, and often it's at the end of a series, so we need to rest some bowlers. We bring in a second string bowling attack, mm-hmm. which is great and all, and all that sort of stuff. But it isn't really something that we're going to go and win a T20 World Title with. No. Now they've now twelve months out. It's October next year. It's a long way away. Let's not get too carried away. But they are preparing themselves really well. And what I like to see is players with their specific roles in place. So we've got the best opening partnership going around with Finch and Warner. We have Steve Smith. Now, at the the first game when Australia got off to a real fly, they could throw Maxwell up the top to keep going hard. That's not Steve Smith's role. He's in there to fix it if things go wrong so that he can then pull things together. So he's that flexible player, good decision maker, good problem solver, can think his way through. And that's what we need. Australia need that. So we need that. It's not not all about hitting boundaries all the time. It's about having those type of players. But they needed a finisher as well. Ashton Turner bobs up in that third game. He starts belting the ball. He can do that from the first from the first ball he faces. He can hit fours and sixes. That's what we definitely need. And overall, I like with the bowling attack, two spinners. We, we need that to win a, okay, a T20 yep. title. So with Ashton Agar in there mm-hmm. um, doing particularly well and Adam Zampa, the best uh, one-day and T20 spinner going around, he's doing exceptionally well. He goes for under six runs and over in T20 cricket. Pretty good record. Absolutely, yeah. Firstly, David Warner. I mean, you, can't, you, you cannot um, doubt him and his form. That was all the talk. I mean, as you said, World Cup into the Ashes. Ashes wasn't good. People go, mm, where's David Warner at in his career? Where's he, you know, how is he? He's under pressure. He's under pressure. Definitely said, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But even, I mean, and we we played a little grab of him last week on the show and he was keeping things upbeat. He was saying, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm I'm all right. And turns out he was because you you cannot doubt him in in white ball cricket and a ton puts him, what, one of three batsmen now to do, uh, to score a century in all three forms of the game from an Australian perspective with uh, Shane Watson and Glenn Maxwell. So rare company there, David Warner, but actually surprised he hadn't reached a, 2020 ton earlier in his career. I was surprised as well. Yeah, and when, when it did come it. up, I, I figured, well, I may have missed one. I can't remember him doing it, but uh, clearly yeah. he hadn't. So uh, great milestone for him to be able to do that. And he scores his run at a strike rate, opening the batting at 144. So he's not a basher, but he is able to play quite creatively. He's got a switch hit. He's got that. And he just played some good cricket shots as well. Some straight drives were just absolutely sublime in that last game. Mm. I do like what you say, though, about the flexibility of the Australian lineup. And I thought in game one, bringing Glenn Maxwell up the order was the perfect move. Because he is, and this is the thing about 2020, is that not so much like tests where your your lineup is pretty much locked in. You're not really going to change too much unless it's extraordinary circumstances. But That's right. from from your 1 to 11, it's pretty much as it is on paper. But 2020, there's a lot more moving and shaking that can happen, a lot more flexibility. And um, Glenn Maxwell, um, in that first game, we'll talk about him in a second as well, but in that first game, perfect example of that. And then Ashton Turner, who I mentioned to you a few weeks ago, is yeah. he the most underrated player domestically? And you said absolutely he is. And now he's getting his chance in the, um, in the international setup. And, I mean, you look at the just the the volume of runs that he scored, and it's not huge. He scored 23 runs over three games, didn't bat in game number two. But 22 runs yesterday in the third match was perfect. Just a little perfect encapsulation of what Ashton Turner can do. Comes in, 15 balls, quick fire 22, 
and helps guide Australia to uh, to chasing down that target. Not that it was huge in the first place, but he was there and he did the job. No, and that's that's the key to these players. Uh, the, the accelerators are the ones that can score boundaries and score quickly straight away. And not every batsman does that. It's not their strength, so they don't need to do that. But for Ashton Turner, it is his strength, and he can play that role. We've seen it with the Scorchers for so long, and he's, he's devastating. We often see that late at night uh, with the with the late night game from the the Wacker and things like that from it coming from Perth. But what we're, what we see with him now being able to do that, if he scores 12 or four balls, then that's asset. That's, that's gold for the team. It just keeps that momentum flying along. But if he can face 15 balls and as you say, he got 22, not out and made sure we got there. That's a strike rate just under 150. That's what you need. Some games he'll be going over 200. There'll be no question about it. So, Australia need that player through that sort of six, seven, eight sort of role, and he's the perfect man for the job. Does he keep his spot though? It's a year away, the world's uh, twenty twenty World Cup. Um, there's going to be players that pop up between now and then. There's a whole big bash season still to go. There's going to be players who really go hard yep. this season, knowing what's on the line. Is Ashton Turner? Is he someone who can hold his spot for the next twelve months? Well, I think he's right in the mix of that role. And that's how specific T20 is. You need the, the role players to do it. Your openers need to be the ones who can hit, hit over the infield early when they can only have two fielders out. So there's no point at that stage putting Steve Smith under that type of pressure, I don't think. Um, having him through that middle overs and thinking his way through and finishing games off is probably better suited to where where he's at. Um, he's a star of the game, of course. But it, it's just defining those type of roles. I think Turner is definitely part, part of that mix. And it, look, there will be other players that come up and, and bob up understanding that the, the World Cup will be in Australian conditions and it'll suit those Australian-type players. Um, it won't necessarily be the best on low, slow wickets. It'll be the mm. ones on the Australian conditions. Glenn Maxwell was uh, the side story of the week um, alongside the the matches themselves and um, taking a, a leave uh, from cricket to take care of his own well-being and his mm. mental health, which was, um, I guess, a bit uh, sort of, from a fan's perspective, a bit jarring to see after he had just scored a fantastic 60 in the in the first game and had been clearly a, a great part of that team. And then uh, all of a sudden you think, oh, he's in good form. He's feeling good, feeling good about himself, his cricket. But obviously that's on field, doesn't reflect off field. He's taken some time off, yep. which um, just from a sporting perspective will be a blow to the Australian team. But obviously the most important factor is Glenn Maxwell and, and his own well-being. That's right. His health is critically important. And I've I got to tell you how proud I am of the Australian cricket team now to be able to do that. Justin Langer knows his players. He's built those relationships. He's felt that something has been wrong, and he shared that um, publicly uh, just yesterday, saying that he felt that something wasn't quite right, and they had that conversation. And credit to him to be able to do that, the surrounding culture around the Australian cricket team, but also to Glenn himself to go, you know what? Things aren't quite right. Mm -hmm. And often in those situations when it is a new thing or something um, when, when they have little experience to it, it... They're not quite sure what it is um, and how they feel. And there's not been a great deal of detail, but if it's if it's something that he's feeling some anxiety and things like that, it's difficult to put your finger on as to why this is happening. He's, he's living the dream. He's doing all the great things, but it just goes to show. And uh, I, I think the strength of Australian cricket now is to have those people around and be able to give them the time when they need to. Um, similar thing has happened with Will Pekoski out of the Victorian lineup last year. They gave him time away from the game and he's come back better than ever, but it's providing the right support and the confidence to be able to do that. So it's not a black mark against them. I know full well 
when I started cricket, it was you, you wouldn't want to go and be seen going to the sports psychologist, mm. um, which I felt quite different about because I thought, well, if I need, you know, I need a batting coach, I need a bowling coach, but I also need to have my mind in order as well. Yeah. How can I perform at my best? I need to get my mind right. So I was really open to that. But a lot of players and a lot of cricketers didn't want to share the idea that they might be struggling mentally. So I think we've come along in leaps and bounds, and I'm so proud of the Australian cricket now that they do that. It's such a funny mentality as well when when sports fans, athletes, coaches, anyone involved in the game knows that mentality and your mindset is such a key part of playing sport, not just cricket, but you know, confidence and where your head is at is such a crucial part to being an athlete and to being a sports person and competing. And the fact that you get a batting coach to improve your batting, you get a bowling coach to improve your bowling, but no one ever thought of getting a mind coach or a psychologist to improve your confidence and your mentality it just seems you look back on it now in hindsight and you go, how did we not spot this earlier? Or how yeah. are people not able or, or how are people afraid to actually, um, you know, approach that and say, this is where I need help. Yeah. And I, I guess it was a, a secondary thought, which was, oh, we've got a sports psych. He's over there. If you have any dramas, go and talk to him. And that's how it was addressed. Mm. And so it was nearly a flag for players. It was seen as a bit of a weakness. Oh, mentally, you're, you're not strong. So that that's a weakness. So, you know, yeah. you're nearly discarded. It's nearly a selection criteria. That's how players felt. They thought about it like that. And, uh, and it would have most definitely hindered a lot of careers. It probably stopped a lot of careers mm-hmm. that they didn't get that type of support um, from the group around them. And th- th- there's no doubt that it wasn't that long ago that that was happening. And so that's what I'm incredibly proud about, the mindfulness, the awareness, and the support that they're providing. Um, further to that has uh, been allowing Mitchell Stark to go to his, his brother's wedding. He yeah. missed the middle T20 so he could go and do those things. How good's that? Mm. Like these guys are human. Of course, we, we should allow players to do that. It, not that long ago, it would have been seen, well, what's he doing? Turning his back on Australian cricket. You know, yeah. there would have been outrage about it. I think it's fantastic. And um, what, what we're going to have is, is players that are uh, very comfortable and when they're happy players, they're going to perform at their best. And uh, I think it's terrific to see Australian cricket leading the way that way. When did this come in? When was this uh, sort of introduced or implemented, the, the openness for players to say, I want, I need to take a step back to take care of myself. When was when did that start becoming a thing? Well, I think it only happens in different pockets. I'm sure there would be states now that would players at states now that would feel, oh, I'm not too comfortable with that. I wouldn't be comfortable doing what Glenn Maxwell has done. So it's got to do with culture around. It's got to do with coaches building those type of relationships. And it's got to do with the trust within the playing group to trust how people feel. And knowing that a happy player is going to perform better if they have those things in order. And having the support behind that and and standing by that, not just giving that words and saying, look, we've got all the support mechanisms, that's okay. But for players to generally trust that, um, that comes from building relationships. And we're seeing that with football now. We're seeing Richmond are the best team because they have all those things in order. They allow players and their people to be themselves Mm -hmm. and they're they're reaping the benefits of that. And so it's not, it's not necessarily that new, but it's, it's probably not necessarily in place in, in maybe some struggling cultural environments. A 134-run win, a nine-wicket win, and a seven-wicket win for Australia against Sri Lanka. The uh, next 2020 against Pakistan, the first of this three-match series, played tomorrow at the SCG 230, and then during the week uh, at uh, Manuka at Canberra and also at Perth Stadium.
at the end of the week. We'll recap those three matches for you next week on Stumps. This is Stumps with Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain. Sean Tate will be with us next. It's been almost 10 years since he bowled one of his fastest ever deliveries, 160 kilometres an hour at the MCG against Pakistan. Given Australia play Pakistan this week, we thought it'd be a great time to go back and have a chat to the wild thing. That's next. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. The batsmen are going to be going hard and the wild thing is in. Second ball into the pads. Almost 160. Oh, mate, hold on to your seats, Australia. I reckon we're about to see the quickest ball ever. Ball three. Play a miss. And the crowd love it. It's 100 miles an hour. A, a cricket ball does not get bowled faster than that. Into the side for a long time, trying. It's a mixed bag so far. Couple of plays and misses, couple of hits, and a four. Into the thigh pad again. Sean Tate gets a standing ovation going back to fine leg. 160Ks per hour. He was cracking the whip that night, and with the T20 series against Pakistan around the corner this season, we remember back to almost 10 years ago when a South Australian bowler unleashed his fastest ever delivery to the Pakistan opener, Imran Farhat, in a 2020 at the MCG in 2010. He was the wild thing. He was the fastest officially we've ever seen in Australia. It's Sean Tate, and he joins us today on Stumps. Hello, Sean. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I hope, I hope Jeff Thompson's not listening. He won't be happy with that. <laughs> well, there weren't really speed guns around there, weren't there, Bryce? No, I reckon he was quick. I reckon he was, he was, he was quicker often by the sound of it. But, um, yeah, no, it actually brought back a, a few memories. It was, a, it was a good night. If only... If only all the games could be like that. Tady, you're very modest about uh, about your, your summing up of that. What was it actually like on, on that night? Um, you were partnered up with uh, Dirk Nannis. He was at the other end, and he was egging you along as well because he was bowling absolute wheels as well. So was there a bit of a competition between the two of you, or did everything just fall into place that night and uh, maybe they'd cranked up the gun a little bit more? I, I don't know, <laughs> but it was the fastest stuff we've ever seen at the MCG. Oh, to be fair, I think we were both we were both actually having a crack anyway. I don't think it was it wasn't too much competition between us, but we just knew that we we're sort of both up and about. And it, I suppose it helps when you got a big crowd there as well. You just get that extra couple of yards, and you got the big Aussie crowd sort of behind you. The G, you just you tend to just run in a bit harder. And and look, I've seen the footage and looking back at it, I was it looked like I was running a lot harder than than most games. So um, and they did feel like they were coming out at a good pace. So. Um, yeah, we didn't have competition between us, but we both just enjoyed at that time. I for a couple of years, I think in the 2020 side as well, I played with Dirk quite a bit, and we both just enjoyed running at either end and bowling fast. As simple as that. Yeah, well, I guess that was a, a simple plan for both of you, just go in and, and let it go as quick as you can. And and do you think that uh, probably stems into a bit of your, your nickname, the wild thing? Because they, they could spray around at different times, couldn't they? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did. I think... And, and, Andrew Thomas came up with that name. I think they were playing in the 2007 World Cup, and, and we were messing around in a team meeting, and someone got the, the footage of all my wide deliveries. Um, <laughs> so they just played it at the start of the team meeting just to get the boys having a laugh. And, and I think after that, that sort of nickname came about. Yeah. Was it your uh, your your aim for that night, Sean, to to bowl as fast as you could? Was that was that a little plan that you and you and Dirk Nanners yeah. had hatched before the before the start of the match? No, no, I don't, I don't remember. Derek might remember more. I don't remember talking about anything. It was just, I just remember being quite pumped up. I think, again, like you, a 2020 international, um, 
at the MCG. I just I find it, you know, you have to be pumped up, surely, in front of a big crowd. It's just, it's just the way it was. And um, I think we are both probably the peak of our powers, pace-wise, at the time. Um, like I said, it'd be great if you could do that all the time, but it's, it, it is bloody hard. So, um, But that's what 2020 is entertainment. Um I think if we, we we sort of complain a bit now, oh, international 2020s don't mean anything. But if all the players and everybody just put, puts a pure entertainment on, that's what it's all about. That's what it's for. So that's what it was. So um, it was as simple as that. I think both myself and Dirk kept things pretty simple. There's no doubt. It was a, it was a spectacular night being in the crowd, watching you just let it loose. Now, you have played for a number of different teams uh, in T20. Was that a really nice way to yes. sort of finish up I guess playing first class yep. cricket and test cricket to then go and have the experience to travel the world and, and play for many teams? Absolutely. Um, I remember the time myself and Dirk, about exactly the same time, pretty much, we're, we're doing the same sort of thing. And um, he's a bit older than me, but he, he went pretty hard. And we, both our bodies didn't really, yeah, we weren't the sort of guys that could stand up and play 10 years in test cricket, I suppose. We just didn't have that, just our bodies just didn't go that way and, uh, and probably didn't bowl enough areas either to fight with. Um, but yeah, it was as simple as that. And travel around and enjoy. The good thing about playing 2020 around the world was obviously just the change room stuff. Just sitting in different change rooms with different blokes, um, different cultures. That was that was the greatest thing about it. What was the key to that? Because obviously you're going to many many different teams, and you, often you're the professional coming into you know into New Zealand, into England, all that sort of stuff. So yep. what was the key to actually settling into those teams from your perspective? Um. Yeah, that was that was actually if there was a challenge to it all, that was probably it. When you when you turn up and you, you know, you're straight off a plane and, and a couple of days later you're into a game. Um, probably the best thing about it was you didn't have to train for a, a few weeks with the team leading in, so it was very simply just turn up and bowl. That's what you're getting paid to do. That's what you've been called in to do. Um, but yeah, sometimes I suppose it could be a challenge to sort of gelling with the team. But I think you sort of, I just sort of kept quiet for the first couple of days and just and just observed, see how they sort of run run the show. And my job was pretty simple, running the ball fast. And I suppose for, for the team, like if, you're, if you go into Wellington, for example, where I played, they were just happy that you were there trying to buy 150. So I think it was quite easy to sort of fit in that way. And they were probably happy that you weren't training with them for two weeks beforehand, bowling 150 in the nets. <laughs> I bet they're happy with that. <laughs> the, good th- the good thing as a bowler, you're not trying to squeeze into a batting lineup and annoy people because they want about four and you're, you're in there. You just, you've got the new ball and you're running the ball fast. So. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was an enjoyable way to finish off career for sure. And you were playing only up until, what, two years ago when you were playing in uh, in India and, and Pakistan. What did you make of, of those leagues playing in the subcontinent 2020 competitions compared to, yeah. to playing down this end of the world? Um, I mean, it's a huge amount of difference, I suppose. Uh, you know, 2020 cricket, obviously, is pretty similar everywhere you go. The conditions... Yeah, it's not as if you're playing ragging, turning wickets or anything like that, or you're not really trying to get reverse swing because there's only 20 overs. So it's a similar sort of stuff. Um, I enjoyed it. It was really, really relaxed. Um, I probably wasn't, you know, especially towards the end of my career, I probably wasn't the best or hardest trainer going around. Let's face it, Bryce. But, um, <laughs> but so I just turned up and have a bit of a net session in Dubai and the Pakistan League, and, and life was good. And, um, and the IPL, obviously, probably the number one competition in the world. Yeah. Um, had a good time there as well. Mm. Just to just to cycle back quickly to that night against Pakistan in 2010, the the actual 160 ball that you bowled, I think it was the fourth ball of the over. Do you remember that? Do you, do you, would you have known that you have hit 160? Did it feel a bit different coming out of the hand? Yeah, I, I knew that at the time I was bowling 
good place for sure. After yeah, you let the first one go, you it's probably in the run up more. I was running in, charging in hard, and it just felt good. Um, and then as soon as you see that you're it's one of those nights where you're up around mid 150s, I thought I'm gonna have a crack here and try and hit 160, and it comes up on the screen. So to be fair, I did have a rough idea of what I was doing that uh, during that game. Yeah. So did you? Was it a real feeling with you? So to bowl faster, what was it that was there a trigger for you that just went? Obviously, you, you talk about running in, and that was a difference. But was there yep. something else that you went? This is the moment. Is it the front arm? Is it just following through? Is it yeah. just dropping your arm, just, your bowling arm back deeper and slinging harder? You know what was it? It was. It was all. My bowling was all about feel. Um, there was no. You know, I didn't get too worried about being technical or anything. Obviously. Um, it was just all about feeling. To me, it was a run-up. The way I was running, if I was running in smooth and it felt good, my feet felt light, didn't feel heavy. I was, you know, obviously, a big bloke around 100 kilos. So if I was, I felt light on my feet running in. You just throw it. It's one of those days or one of those nights. Um, let's have a crack at this sort of thing. So, but the other thing is, the other thing that comes with, it, I think, is intimidation. So if you've got myself and Dennis at either end, and our first couple overs are mid 150s to 160, you, you pretty much got the, the team you're playing against anyway. They don't want to be out there. The guys coming in aren't going to want to be out there. So the intimidation factor probably helped with, with winning games like that as well. There's no doubt about that. It was uh, certainly very intimidating. Whenever you rolled in for South Australia versus Victoria and you you came on to clean up the tail, I was definitely intimidated. Don't worry about that. Parachute on for the last couple of wickets. Well, yeah, I'd give myself a little bit of room just saying, look, I'm trying to get him over point, but uh, you know where I was going. I was backing out of there. Um, now, now, one thing about, I guess, batting wasn't your biggest thing. But you no. did nail some big sixes, and you swung hard. That's what I loved about you at the tail. It wasn't you're going to weren't going to be there for a long time. And that was through all the cricket. Nah. Whenever we played against each other, we knew you were coming out, and you were going to try and hit the ball as hard as you can. If it was over, well, yeah. then you were bowling pretty soon. What was the best yeah, one? Was... What was the best one you got? Is there a play you got, and you went, "Hey, I'm pretty happy to hit him over the fence." <laughs> I, yeah, I got Warney. Oh! He, he, uh, <laughs> you got the king. So I've come out, and he just sort of goes, "Right, Taddy, I'm gonna." Toss six balls up here, see how far you can hit them. I'm going to give you one over, sort of thing, just to let me, you know, sort of taking the, taking the piss out of me, really. I think I hit the first two for four and the third one for a six. And he goes, right, that's enough. I think it's dump next ball. <laughs> <laughs> he threw one in a bit quicker and got it past me, yeah. But I, I did manage to get Warney over, over long on Adelaide Oval across the, across the line. That's a massive wow. one. I'm glad we got that out of you because that's going to be the highlight. Forget about all the other stuff. Bowling 160, hitting Shane Warne to the longest boundary in Australian cricket. That's the best highlight yeah, for me. That was the best hit of my career for sure. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you remember from your test days? You did play uh, three tests for Australia, oh, including including in an Ashes. <laughs> well, you, I did, uh, yeah. you had a, no, you had a little spill at it. Three, yeah, three tests. It would have been, obviously, it would have been great to play more, but it is what it is. And, my first one was pretty. My first one was alright. We lost. Uh, I think I took three from the first dig. Didn't bowl much in the second dig. Uh, second test, I didn't. I think I was. I was always the last couple of tests I played. I was sort of the fourth seamer, I think. So I didn't bowl that much, and it it didn't go well. I was. My body wasn't in great shape too fair at the time. Um, you know, it would have been nice to have played. You know, too greedy, but it would have been nice to play fifteen test matches. Or it could have been better to just play the one and you could join our barbecue each year in New Year's Day and the one test wonder barbecue. Yeah. Three. What's three? (laughs) Now, your your nickname. The funny thing is, I never really. To be honest, I don't. I remember when I played, I didn't enjoy the hell out of four day cricket 
or test cricket for that matter. It just I suppose I was impatient or I just didn't really at the time didn't really suit me. But now I've retired, I watch I love watching test cricket, so it's it's very strange. Now you're doing a bit of coaching now. I was going I was going to ask you about your your nickname Saloon. Do you want to just give the quick story to that? Oh no, it's not it's not a great story. I was I was checking my first ever tour with the Aussies. I was checking into a hotel and. Um, this is you know, Sean Tate, the Australian cricket team. I'm here, blah, blah blah. And they, they said, oh, we haven't got your name on here. We've got a, we've got a saloon here. So that was it. It was just <laughs> the hotel, the hotel Sri Lanka messed my name up. Someone found out about it, told everyone, it sort of stuck that way. So it's not a great story. And it, but it is stuck forever. And it, it is one nickname that has just stuck forever. with you. Yeah. Yeah, it has. It kind of, it kind of, it fits as well. Saloon, the wild thing, Wild West is sort of all sort of the theme. I'm coaching, I'm coaching, um, I'm coaching Adelaide Crew Club here. I'm standing on the ground now watching. Um, and even these boys call me Saloon. So, yeah, it did stick your eye. Now, that's that's credit to you. You're pretty relaxed. You, you must be the, the sort of casual, calm coach, a bit similar to Andrew McDonald. Do you have aspirations to take it a bit further than just club cricket? Yeah, I do, actually. I, I, I actually quite enjoy it so far. Um, it's funny because speaking to a speaking to a guy um, last week and, and just talking about coaching in general, and he actually said, if you, if you do go further, this will be your toughest gig at Clubland. Yep. Um, and I probably tend to agree. Um, you know, there's there's a lot more things to worry about rather than just playing in one, you know, being around one team. Um, with and you know, if I was a bowling coach, for example, you've got three or four guys in the team that you're obviously going to be around quite often. Whereas at Clubland, you've got a lot of players. So. And a lot of coaches, so it's um, it's probably right. But I just think it's a great, it's a great learning. I've learned so much already, and we're only what three or four rounds in. Um, so I'm I'm very glad that I've I've taken this job and I'm doing it. Yeah. Terrific. How's the how's the team and the club going? Uh, we've some good players actually. We've got a, a handful of guys on, on the verge of playing for South Australia. Cam Valente is our captain, and uh, we managed to grab Wes Agar as a recruit, but we probably won't see much of him because he's he's doing well. So. Um, yeah, it will be around the mark. Yeah, I think top four sort of side. But I think you're right. The key, I mean, I'm especially you're right. Being relaxed and, and not interfering too much, and, and just creating a, a nice relaxed environment. Um, if anything, I'm probably almost maybe too relaxed. So <laughs> I'll have to, yeah, you know what I mean. So I shock me. That, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but anyway, I mean, at this day and age, I think that approach probably tends to work. And even the top level, um, guys now don't, you know, no one wants to be yelled at all the time. So um be interesting to see how it goes anyway. Are there any uh, any charges in your team that you, you like the looks of? Any young boys that are coming through? Maybe a, maybe a fast bowler among them that you're giving a few extra tips to? Um, we've got the, um, the two Pengeli boys, I think, in the next couple of years. Josh Pengeli and Ben Pengeli. I mean, so those guys, you know, if I was a big bash... If I was part of a big bash franchise looking to recruit, I'd be I'd be having a look at these two. They both smash the ball very hard, and they both bowl with good pace, and they both both bowl good Yorkers. Um, so as far as 2020 goes, I think these two guys probably won't be far off in the next couple of years. Um, but like I said, we got you know Patrick Page. Um, he's in and around the the, the second squad. Uh, Valenti's captain, uh, Agar. Um, yeah, we do have some good players. And where's Agar's going well? Obviously, credit to uh, joining the club and uh, being coached by you. That's exactly right, yeah. <laughs> um, I spoke to him once, and since then he's, he's gone on. He's gone really well. No, but he's actually been around a little bit, and he's a, he's a great lad. He's, he's actually he sort of reminds me of myself a little bit. He's very relaxed and, and just wants to do the simple stuff. So, yeah. Is cricket taking up the most of your time now um, post your playing career? Are you doing things outside of it as well, maybe? Oh, uh, 
few. I mean, I've got a, got a share in a pub. I haven't been last couple of months. I must to say, I haven't been down there very often at all. Um, I've got a young daughter as well, so she's probably taken up most of my time along with cricket. Yeah, been a coaching with the Darren Lehman Academy as well. Um, and I've, I have in the past done some media stuff in the subcontinent. So bits and pieces. Um, but yeah, I, you know, this coaching stuff I'm actually really enjoying. So see what happens the next couple of years with that, I suppose. Give the pub a plug. Whereabouts is it? It's the Hotel Elliot down in, in Port Elliot on the south coast of South Australia. So it's a great pub. It's going to start getting busy now with the weather getting better. It's a bit of a holiday sort of destination. So um, I've, I've been involved there for six years and it's been, uh, it's been, it's been really good. Yeah. Sean, it's been a pleasure chatting to you today on Stumps. We reminisce back to, as I said, that T20 match 10 years ago. But good to hear you're still part of cricket and still going along very nicely. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. Thanks, boys. Yeah, good to chat. Thanks. Go well, Sloan. Cheers, lad. Thanks. Sean Tate here on Stumps. Bryce McGain, Jordan Canellos with you coming back after this. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Stumps here, Jordan Canellas, Bryce McGain with you. Bryce, we've had a good chat with Sean Tate earlier in the program. We'll wrap things up with our Player of the Year to come later on in the show as well. But time for a, um, for a well, what do we call this? It's it's an odd odds update, isn't it? Yeah, an odds update. Yeah, a fictitious odds update. Yes, with uh, with our man Slits from Stumps Bet, which of course is the, the foremost uh, betting company, which you should always um, contribute to, gamble responsibly. Even well, where do we find you today, Slits from Stumps Bet? Uh, I'm I'm in sunny Mount Gambier. I'm working out of my mum's bedroom. That's the uh, the epicenter of of Stumps Bet. So um, the phones have been ringing off the hook today. I've had to get my cousin Darren. He's he's come in to answer a couple of phones for me. So a lot of people are gambling today, which is fantastic for my business. <laughs> All three of them. Hey, what's the um, what's the uh, what's the latest market say for the uh, for the Sri Lankan series, which is over, but there's still a few things to have a punt on. Yeah, there are. The Sri Lankan series is a pretty pretty quiet one for us, I must say. Not many people have got pay TV in Australia. Obviously, they didn't understand that the, the cricket season had started. So, um, And Sri Lanka, they're not the, the most exciting T20 team to watch. They've only got that one famous player, Lassith Malinga. And um, that's what our, our most popular market has been for. I don't know if you've seen um, our odds on the StumpsBet website, where you can find us, stumpsbet.com.au. Um, we've, uh, we didn't, yeah, like I said, it didn't attract much attention, but, um, we've actually, uh, opened a market on the weight, the playing weight of Lassis Malinga. Um, it was very popular and coming into the series, you would have thought that under 75 kilos would be the odds on favourite. He drifted out to 80 to 85 kilos was the favourite, but after seeing him on the coverage last night, we've had a lot of money come in for the 90 to 95 kilo range. That's paying $2.80. Now we're not actually going to pay out on this until, uh, six o'clock tonight. Apparently, he's getting a flight out of Tullamarine Airport in Melbourne back to Sri Lanka. Uh, but he's going to weigh himself on at the, the luggage check-in. So we've had a bit of a tip-off. I've had some intelligence that he was seen at the Crown Casino buffet late last night in Melbourne. So a lot of money has come in for the 99 and over kilos. So um, watch that spot. Watch that space. Six o'clock tonight is um, when we'll update everyone on, uh, on the payouts from, from that bet. Would certainly look like he was smuggling the kids' basketball around when he was playing, but uh, still, still took a couple of key wickets for the Sri Lankans. Uh, moving on, there's another T20 series, of course, rolling on, uh, which is against the Pakistanis. What are the market updates there? Well, it's very hard with the Pakistanis, as you know. You never know what's going to happen with them. It depends who they've put their own money on. If they've got their money on themselves tomorrow, I reckon they are absolute red hot favourites. So. 
We've got a bit of a connection. Um, the Stumpsbet team, we've got a, a bit of a, a sub-agent out in India, John the bookmaker, and he's going to give us some odds tomorrow um, and we'll post our market just before just before the toss tomorrow. But um, we've had a pay-it-out early on this one. I know our, our listeners, they love the pay-it-out early. What we had, we had a market frame for the different styles and coloured hats that the Pakistani 11 were going to wear. Um, you bet on four plus different sorts of hats. That was paying $4.20. We've actually paid out on that because we saw them in the um, up at Canberra the other day and there was a guy wearing a Pepsi cap. There was another one There was another one wearing a Lay's chips cap at first slip. So the four plus hats, if you had, uh, had your money on that, we've paid it out early. So congratulations to those punters. <laughs> Anything else? Um, yeah, it was good to good to listen to the Fox commentary, the cricket lineup for the summer with Mark Howard and Shane Warne and Gilly and the crew. So um, just to create a bit of an interest with the the first Pakistan T20 at Sydney tomorrow, we're framing a market for Howie for Mark Howard. What he's going to talk about in the third over of the first innings. Yeah. Um, this always gets our punters excited. So what we've got is uh, if Howie's talking about Mark War's donkey in the third <laughs> over, that's paying five dollars. Um, if he's talking about his kid, some random kid called the Penguin, that's at 10s. Um, and one that's come in from 25 to 15, if he's talking about Steve Smith not getting any sleep during the ashes, that's $15 now. So I suggest you get on that one while you can. And uh, the $3.20 favourite, if he's talking about Sir Vivian Richards being a cool cat, that's, yeah, paying $3.20. So we've had a bit of market and that's, that's come in at three twenty. So with the, the Howie bet, Bryce, what we're going to do is we're going to offer you a $100 charity bet right. um, for the charity of your choosing. So um, which charity are you playing for this week? Uh, well, the Bryce McGain uh, charity, I would have thought. Something with me? No, well, yeah, I've actually selected it for you. It's the One Ooh. Test Wonders Retirement Fund. Oh, good. And I know you, That'll go straight the, to our uh, annual barbecue. That's terrific. <laughs> yeah. How many of you turn up to that barbecue? Well, uh, not, not Sean Tate. <laughs> yeah, Sean Tate. We, we spoke to him earlier, and he played three tests for Australia, so two too many not for invited. Sean Tate. Not no. invited. So there's only yeah. half a dozen of us. Yeah, he can. Uh, is it Bo Casson? I think he'd be in the three test club. Yeah, Nico comes down for it as well, well, which is good. And uh, yeah, there's yeah. a few of us still. Oh, I reckon there might be some more to come too. So if you um, if you get up on your Mark Howard bet this week. Whatever you bet on, $100 will go to your charity. So what do you like in the Mark Howard market this week, Bryce? Well, maybe something – look, I like something with a bit of odds. So I'm not going to take that he's going to drop a name of any of the people that have appeared on his own podcast, The Howie Game. So I won't take that. Mm-hmm. That'll be too short. So mm-hmm. I, I think the follow-up with Shane Warne on his feature movie and the meeting he had over the weekend, yeah. I, I reckon – what do we got odds on that? I like your thinking there. That's currently at $66. Oh, so if Howie is uh, absolutely waffling garbage about Shane Warne and his movie, if, if Shane Warne's in the commentary box with him, that'll probably come into shorter odds. But at the moment, that's $66. So um, we'll give you $100 for that. We'll whack it on and see how we go on Sunday afternoon. Good luck. I like the sound of that. Mm. Um, and because we can't get much interest in the Australian-Pakistan market until we find out what sort of team Pakistan are putting out, we're actually creating a, uh, a bit of a market for our South Australian listeners. It's in regards to Adam Zampa's hairstyle. So it looks like he's developing a bit of a 1980s South Australian classic mullet. Oh, indeed he so, is. Yeah, yeah, it's looking absolutely beautiful. And in the lights last night, it looked glistening. It was, <laughs> uh, he's cleaned up to the minute. Um, so what we're going to do is come the end of the BBL season where he'll be playing for the Melbourne Stars, we want to know who his mullet will look exactly like. So we're not going to pay this out until... 
early February. Um, if he looks like Wayne Wiedemann, the former <laughs> Adelaide footballer, that'll be a dollar eight. Um, Michael Bolton, the former US crooner, that's at four dollars. Um, if he gives it a bit of a trim and it just comes quite a tidy mullet, that's the Terry Alderman 1989 Ashes mullet. That's paying eight dollars. <laughs> uh, the Six Kernahan one, the South Australian special, that's at eleven. I like that. And the one I like, the one I like, it's a bit of a Schlitz special. It's the Yana Novotna. So Yana Novotna for some of our older listeners, that's uh, that's eighty one dollars. So you probably need to get it spiked up at the front a bit more, but keep that classic mullet look at the back. Um, eighty one dollars. I reckon everyone should have a little bit of a, a dabble on that one. I'm, you, uh, I'm you getting on that one. Come February, I'm getting on that one. He's got the he's got the right complexion. He's got the right consistency. The hair density. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. Adam, he Zampa. does. He has beautiful, beautiful feminine skin. So I can see him being a dead <laughs> ringer for Yana Novotna shortly. <laughs> hey, uh, let's finish off um, slits with your bookie buster. What's your bookie buster for this week? Yeah, my bookie buster, and uh, that is that involves Adam Zamper as well. So we've um, we've had one bloke who's absolutely loaded up. Um, he's gone the Aaron Finch chewing the pink bubble gum. The first time he blows a bubble when he's batting tomorrow, that's pink. And he's put that into a Adam Zampa looking like John Farnham from his last comeback tour. And uh, if you combine that, that's paying $201. So, geez, if that one gets up, uh, my proud family business, it's been operating for about eight months now. We're going to have to go into receivership. So hopefully, Finchie, if you're listening, go with the green bubble gum tomorrow, please, mate. <laughs> it could be the end of Stump's bet before we get really yeah. rolling. Well, I'm about to float on the stock exchange if some of these come off. So come on, punters, stick with me. <laughs> Fantastic slits. Hey, we'll we'll catch up with you again next week for for more from Stumps Bet. Those are those are some great odds. I'm I'm getting on that Yana Novotna one for Adam Zampa. Thanks, Jordan. And don't forget, the more you bet, the more I win. Gamble responsibly. <laughs> slits from Stumps Bet here on Stumps. This is Stumps. Jordan Canellas, Bryce McGain. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Wrapping things up on Stumps this weekend, Bryce McGain, Jordan Canellos with you. We look towards the domestic scene now to finish things up. And we'll start off with the Women's Big Bash League for this weekend. Full board of games. There was a game last night. There's four games today and three tomorrow. So it's almost like a round of uh, NRL or AFL footy with the amount of matches on this weekend, Bryce. But... A, a great win last night for the Perth Scorchers to get things underway for this weekend. And Meg Lanning, again, the star of the show. Yeah, she is. And we've been dying for that form to come through. The the Renegades again on a, on the end of a difficult beat. Duckworth Lewis infected, interrupted this game um, and they chased down this target with some amazing hitting. Meg Lanning leading the way there. And as you say, there's tons of games on at the moment. Um, the, I guess the big... The big news there is uh, with uh, Adelaide Strikers right up at the pointy end. So their game's super important. They're, they're sitting second on the table at the moment with the Renegades and Stars. Well, Renegades through the middle order uh, of the table and, and Stars battling along. They'll need to uh, revamp and uh, and re-strike themselves. Uh, they're, they're yet to get a win out of their four games. So they've got a fair bit. There's tons of games in the competition. So plenty of opportunity for them to bounce back. Earlier today, Hobart and the Sydney Thunder Match abandoned without a ball being bowled. So that's um, might bring the Sydney Thunder back into the pack a little bit. They are on top of the table. Probably hurts Hobart a little bit, who are in third at the moment. So 
uh, now they feel the pressure from teams breathing down their neck without a, a result for today. Yeah, they do. But uh, as you say, there's tons of games on it over this whole uh, long weekend. So there'll be uh, plenty of opportunity. And this is where some of the teams who may not have started so well can make a big shift up the table. Renegades were in a bit of trouble early today in their game against the Sydney Sixers. Uh, and then later on tonight, we've got games uh, between the Scorchers and the Stars and also Brisbane and uh, the Strikers up at Mackay to finish off today. Hobart and Sydney again tomorrow. Hopefully they can get a game in there at Burnie. The Sixers and the Stars again at the Wacker and then the Strikers against the Brisbane Heat at uh, up at Mackay uh, for tomorrow to finish things off. Well, you're talking about a bit of rain down in Tassie. It may very well save the Vicks there in their Shield game. There have been yeah. rain, rain on this day three down there. Victoria need eight wickets to win. Tassie need just, uh, just over 100 runs at this point in time. So hopefully, uh, well, either rain saves them or uh, or uh, Victoria get those wickets. Sorry to our Tasmanian listeners. <laughs> we'll wrap it all up next week. Bryce, pleasure doing business with you again today. Terrific, Jordan. That was Stumps. See you again next week. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.